Thank you for that worship, praise man. We, um, I tell you, that was awesome this morning. I'm, uh, I need somebody to help me out. Is it still over there? Purity, can you do me a favor? Can you light the little candle, the second little candle, and the red candle this morning? The red candle, uh, yes, ma'am, and the one right in front. I know it's a little, it's a little small, but can you light those? Uh, every every Wednesday night we've been going. It, it, yes, yes, ma'am. Uh, every Wednesday night we've been going through our Advent uh, wreath, and this morning we we're uh, lighting the third one, and we'll talk about the third one uh, on Wednesday night. And uh, and so we're we are in the Christmas season, and um, yeah, the thing's kind of tricky. It's all good. Oh, don't, don't do that. <laughs> There's hot glued. I'll help you. Thank you, Purity. You're awesome. It is, it is tricky. I always have to like kind of light one off one and then come over here. Awesome. Thank you, Purity. All right. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Mark 14. If you have your listening de- or your listening devices, if you have your, uh, your phones, uh, turn to um, Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. As we are coming to the end of our kingdom series, this has been an awesome series as we've been going through the book of Mark and talking about Jesus. As we as we get to the end, we are going to be actually talking about something that's a little different than uh, where we would normally go during December. We're actually going to be talking about his death over the next two weeks tonight or today and the next week, opposed to talking about his birth. But I want to want you to understand that everything. Thing, and, and I'm sure you already know this. I know uh, you guys are awesome and, and super smart. But the whole reason Jesus came was to die. The whole reason he came and left heaven and came to this earth was to die and, um, and to offer a sacrifice for our sins. And today we are going to be talking about that. Today we're going to be diving into Mark chapter 14. And I'm really seeing something that is a is a, a thing that we see, especially here at Apostles. We see this uh, every other week, and we're going to be talking about the Lord's Supper, and uh, and and. I think too many times and the danger with with doing something like that over and over and over is it became, it can become mundane and it can become just a normal thing that we do but I want to I want you to understand how important it is how how serious it is how we get to have the Lord's Supper and, and the ins and outs and and kind of what Jesus did on that last week that Thursday before he died yeah, it, it, it's something that's really huge so I don't want you to miss this morning Morning. Again, this is something that you've you've heard before, you've seen before. You may have know why we do it, but for for some of us, it's good to be reminded. For some of us, it's good to know why in the world we do that. And so this morning, that's what we're going to kind of hang on this morning and talk about. So Mark chapter fourteen, uh, Nathan's. Thank you so much for your prayer for me this morning. And I'm gonna I'm just going to pray before we dive on into this text. God, I love you so much. I thank you for these students. I thank you for how much they mean to me. God, I thank you. That that they're here this morning. I pray for our fifth and sixth graders upstairs. God, I pray that they are just diving in your truth and just hearing from you this morning. I thank you for 
our teachers and our leaders who are up there and uh, sacrificing so much of their time to study and, and just pour in to our students. Lord, I thank you for Mark and, and what he's teaching over there in the den for our seventh and eighth graders. Lord, I pray that you would bless him and bless them immensely, Lord. Lord, I pray that they would understand uh, the seriousness of the Lord's Supper or the New Covenant Supper, as it's called, Lord, also. Lord, I pray for these guys and gals in this room. Lord, just as just as uh, has been prayed earlier, Lord, Lord, I, I echo Nate's prayer. Lord, let truth come out of my mouth. Do not let anything that just Ryan wants to say, Lord, let it be you. And God, I pray that it would just be your words and you would speak to our hearts through this text. Lord, um, it's huge. And it's something that we need to know about. We need to understand on a, on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, but God, also on a daily basis. Lord, we love you and we give you glory in us in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. I don't know about you, but like when we're preparing for something uh, like an event or we're pre preparing for today, we're preparing uh, for a retreat or a camp, man, we try to do what we can and we do our hardest and we, and we put together as much as we can to, to get prepared because there's nothing I hate more than being unprepared. How many of you are like prepared people? You like everything to be just exactly like it's supposed to be. You're going on a trip and you pack like three days before your trip and you get everything in there and then you unpack it because you're like, oh, I need this. So you got to unpack your whole bag and then you pack everything together and then everything fits perfect. And then you can fold. You're not like a lot of people that have to sit on their suitcase to zip it up. You're like, you have it all. How many of y'all are like that? Like you've got it. Cool. You are prepared. You've got it going on because you know that as you are going to something big, you are prepared to uh, have everything that you need and you want to be ready so that when you get to that vacation, you get to that destination, you you haven't forgotten anything. You've got everything lined up. Everything's perfect. Everything's exactly where it needs to be. And you're ready to roll. For people who aren't like that, that drives people crazy who aren't like that. If you're not like that, if you're not prepared like that, raise your hand. Like you just like do it the night before. You're like, all right, I'm going on a trip. Just throw everything. Like you just dump everything out of your closet into a bag and sit on it. And like you get all your friends to sit on it and zip it up. And then when you go to camp, like I've seen this over and over and over when you go to a retreat or something like that, you've seen it too. And like that person comes in and they're dragging their bag that weighs like 750 pounds and they're dragging like and then someone always makes the, the comment with you well you got a dead body in there and and like, then you drag it in there and you throw it on the bed and as soon as that zipper unzips on that bag the zipper's thinking thank you lord because you've that zipper's been holding on to everything in the bag when that zipper unzips it's like a bomb goes off of clothes it's like Poosh! How, we've seen that, right? Everybody's seen that. Okay, it's like clothes everywhere. And then as a leader, we walk in and we're like, who's clothes? Guys, pick up all your stuff. And everybody's like, it, it's just him. Like, it's just her. It's nobody else's. It's just them. It's not everybody's. It's just them. And so... We've been there, we see that. And for a person who is prepared, that drives them crazy because you walk in, you're like, oh no. See my stuff? It's tidy, it's neat. I was prepared. You, on the other hand, weren't. 
And so we, it drives people crazy. But when we get to this section of scripture, it's like we, we see how Jesus does things. Jesus is prepared every step of the way, every, every step of his journey, everything that he did was preparing him for the cross. There was a reason why he turned water into wine. There was a reason why he met with Nicodemus at night. There was a reason why he healed people. There was a, a reason why he made blind people to see and deaf people to hear and mute people to speak. There was a reason why he did those things. He was preparing everything and every moment and every interaction and everything to get to this moment. It was a reason why he went out and was walking on the shoreline and he sees these brothers and says, come follow me. There was a reason why he went to the table and says, this tax collector, hey, come follow me. It was a reason why he went out and told these disciples to come follow me. And one of those reasons was this moment that he was prepared for. As we get to Mark chapter 14, we see the preparation that Jesus is making because that night was the night that he was going to be betrayed. And that night he was getting ready as he goes on trial, as he is, as he is going to be beaten, as he's going to be, as he's going to have his beard ripped out and nailed to a tree and hung up and suff eventually suffocate to die and then go into a grave. Like he's preparing himself and he's been preparing. He's been telling his disciples, like, it's coming. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. Just wait. It's going to happen. And we get to this point in Mark chapter 14, out of everything that Jesus says in all the preparation preparation that he does he gets to this point and he has one last meal with his disciples and this just happens to be the Passover week this just happens to be the week that the Jews are celebrating the 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 the, the excuse me the deliverance out of Egypt the Israelites were, were, were preparing this feast as we get to Thursday and we see this, and Jesus, of course, is a part of that. And when we get to this portion, we see that this is all a part of his plan. Verse 12, on the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, that would be Thursday, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, all right, we could just stop right there and we could talk about that the whole morning, that, that they were preparing the Passover lamb. They were preparing the meal, the sacrifice that has to happen for the sprinkling of blood on the mercy seat so that the forgiveness of sins may occur. They're preparing this. They're getting ready. And who else was called the lamb? Sunday school answer appropriate here. Jesus. Very good. You're listening. Jesus' disciples asked him, where do you want us to go to make these preparations for you to eat the Passover? He's like, so what, where do you want to go? And so he sent two of his disciples, Peter and John, telling them, go to the city and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Now this, this is one of those, when we're reading this, if we were reading this scripture, if we were to look over, we would skip over that verse and uh, that sentence and just go on, keep on rolling. We would not, we would not even give that two glances. But here's the deal. That was so important because men did not carry water jars in that time. That was a job or a, a chore that the wife or the woman of the household would have. 
So the men would not do that. So if they're looking for a man carrying a water jar, it's very specific. And Jesus knows, I want you to find this man. Well, which man is it? It's the man carrying a water jar. Got it. So they go into the city. He says, look for a man carrying a water a jar of water, and he will meet you. And you need to follow him. Say to the owner of the house as he enters, the teacher asks, where is my guest room? Where am I eat the Passover with my disciples? He will, show you, he will show you a large upper room, furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. Now, there's a lot of speculation on, did Jesus already make these preparations or did he already know? I kind of lean on the fact that, that Jesus knew exactly where he was going and God just kind of worked everything out. And, and he may have talked to this man. He may have said this. It's not mentioned, but there is a good chance that, that this is a couple of different people. Some theologians think it's Nicodemus's house. Some theologians think it's Mark's house, Mark's mom's house, who would be the writer of Mark, who would be a little, uh, she was known to be wealthy, and so she would have an upper room. Only wealthier people would have an upper room. So there's, there's a lot of speculation. At the end of the day, it was someone who was wealthy who had an upper room that would be like almost considered like an inn, like a hotel type deal, and that they, they would go in the upper room. It would be prepared for the Passover and the, the disciples were to go and to go to their house and get everything ready. And so the disciples left, verse 16, and they went into the city and found things just as Jesus had told them. Remember, he was prepared. So they prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus arrived with the twelve. While they were reclining at the table to eat, that's how they used to eat in, the, the, in those days. In biblical times, they would chill, like you talk about chilled out, while eating, they were, they were chilling at the table, reclined, relaxed. I don't know if there's health benefits about laying down while eating, but I, I would imagine that that would be very difficult. Imagine eating chips and salsa laying down, like, ha, ha. You dump it all over your shirt and all over. Like, that would be horrible. But listen, they're laying down, reclining. Not like laying down, like fully laying down, like feed me. Like, like they were just reclining. They were chilling. While they're reclining at the table, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me, and one is eating with me. And at that moment, can you imagine the pain and the discomfort and the awkwardness in that room? Like, you could probably cut that with a knife. The disciples are looking at each other like, not me, not me. That, that he's not talking about me. And Jesus says, no, somebody in this room is going to betray me. No, wh what? And so they're all looking around like, who in the world? And they were saddened. Like they were in deep grief. And one by one, they told him, sure, surely not I. Like, I wouldn't do that, Jesus. We've been hanging out for three and a half years. I, I wouldn't betray you. And Jesus says, it's, it's one of the 12. And one who dips bread into the bowl with me. The Son of Man will go just as is written about him, but woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Listen, what they would do is they would, it would almost be like chips and salsa, but it would be like bread and oil. And what they would do is they'd take the bread and they would dip it in a cup and it would have oil and that would be like the dip. And what they would do is they would reach out, well, 
the same time, Judas reached out his hand. And Jesus says, the same one who dips in the cup is the one who betrayed me. And we see this and we see woe to him. But woe to the man who betrays the son of man. And I truly think this. I don't, again, you, you guys have heard me say this about Jesus. I don't see Jesus as being like this hard dude who just like lightning bolt and ready to punch people out. Like I don't see Jesus. I truly think that Jesus shows pity on Ju Judas. And like I, with tears in his eyes, he says, woe to him. Woe to him. Woe to the man who will betray me. It would be better for him not to be born. Now, it was all part of God's plan. God lined it up. Remember, he was prepared for this moment from birth. He knew, I don't know how it all works, but when Judas was born, he was born to betray. That's a hard moment. And Jesus says these words, it would be better for him not to be born because of what he's about to go through. And so they dip it and other, other versions, excuse me, other gospels say that he left at that moment. And while they were eating, Jesus took the bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take it, this is my body. And then he took the cup and gave thanks and offered to them and they all drank it from it. And this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. He says, he says, I tell you the truth, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it anew in the kingdom of heaven. And so remember, I've, I've tried to say this a couple of times about Jesus being prepared. If you can turn really quickly to John chapter six. He says this earlier. And he's talking to a crowd of people that are following him. And he says these words. He says these words to the, to the people that are like so heavy that the people, well, you'll see what happens. He says in verse 53, 53, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the blood of, of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day for my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. And we're seeing this, we're watching this unfold in the scripture in John and we're going, whoa, Jesus, that's a little out there, dude. We're like, well, this is like zombie world you're talking about. Who eats my flesh and drinks my blood, Jesus. That's like deep, deep teaching. Like I don't understand that. In fact, so many people at that time, do you check this out, verse 66, chapter six, verse 66. Ironic, I don't think so. But here's the deal. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. It was deep teaching. It was deep teaching. And they didn't understand why in the world Jesus was saying it at this time. And he looks at his disciples. He says, what about you? Don't you want to go? And he says, their disciples are like, no, I don't want to go. And so when Jesus says to them, this is my body, take it. And remember me. And he says, this is my blood of the new covenant. He says, poured out for many. 
Take it in remembrance of me. He's saying, I want you to remember what I said. Remember those moments where I talked those hard teachings and remember those moments where I shared with you that this was gonna be very difficult and you remember when all those people left and you stayed, here's the deal. This is, about, this is about to go down. My body is about to be broken. My blood is about to spill out. And as we take this Passover, as we prepare the Passover lamb, I, as my cousin John told you, I am the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And he says, take this bread and take this cup and remember Remember, I love it. He says, I tell you the truth, verse 25 in Mark 14, it says, I will not drink again until, or excuse me, I will not drink the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink anew in the kingdom. Other gospels say, as long as you gather together, when you gather together, do this in remembrance of me. So why do you take part in the Lord's Supper? Why do you go down on every other Sunday? Why do you take a part of that cup in that, in, that, in that cracker? Why do you eat that stuff? Like, what's the importance? Well, here's the deal. I'm gonna be very, very clear when I say this, that that portion, that sacrament, is only for believers, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can't understand the, the, the body being broken and the blood being poured out. You can't, you can't accept that forgiveness. That's not salvation. But what it is, it's a reminder of what Jesus did. That body, or excuse me, that cracker does not come, become Jesus' body in you. The, the, the wine does not turn into Jesus' blood as some think it does. No, 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 no. We do this in remembrance of our king because he was born to die. And he says, as long as you gather, as long as you are together, do this in remembrance of me. Well, what are we remembering? Well, I would like to pose four things. What are we remembering? Number one, we are remembering who Jesus is. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He is the Lamb of God who forgives. He is the Lamb of God who lived a perfect spotless life, who was pure and, and at all respects deserved, and he was the only one who deserved to be slain because he was perfect. But not only do we remember who Jesus is, we, we remember that who we aren't. Because of his perfection, there was nothing that we could do to attain heaven. There was nothing that we could do other than follow God's rules and, and do the sprinkling of, of blood on the altar. Well, we don't have to do that now. And there's nothing that we can do now other than accept who Jesus is because that leads us to number three. We recognize what Jesus did. And we see this. And as we take the Lord's Supper, as we take the bread and we take the cup, we remember we remember what Jesus did. And it's not a flippant thing where we just go down and we grab the cup and the dude says, you know, what's your name? And you say, Ryan. And what, you say your name, you don't say Ryan. You say, you know, Ryan. And, and they say, remember Jesus died for you. And then you walk over and you dip it in the cup and you try not to spill it, although it's all sucked, you know, soaked into the, the, the bread. You're like, oh. So you're like, you take it and you eat it and you're like, go back to our seats. All right, let's sing another song. 
Where's the deal? Do you understand how important that is? Because when that gentleman looks you in the eyes and says, Jesus died for you, it's so that we will remember what Jesus did. And my fear is that we've done this so many times that we just skip over it. But friends, I don't want you to skip over it. I don't want you to miss it. I don't want, to, I don't want you to miss the gravity of this huge sacrament, of this huge act. Because if you call Jesus your Lord and Savior, you get to partake in the Lord's Supper. You get to. Like we can be like the disciples in fellowship with him. Yes, we deserve death. Yes, we deserve hell. Yes, we deserve the grave. Yes, we, we deserve eternal separation from God. We deserve that but guess what because of what Jesus has done on the cross we could not do that and that brings us to number four what we can't do we need to recognize what we can't do on our own we can't save ourselves and when we go down and we take that bread and we take that cup when he looks us in the eyes and says Jesus died for you we don't take that as oh that's really cool no we take that as Jesus really died for me that I wouldn't have to die the death that I deserve thanks be to God that we don't have to do that that is huge and so this time, this, this time of celebration of Christmas and we, we, we serve and we're wrapping presents and we're doing this, that and the other and we're getting prepared and, and we go and we go and hang out with our families. I'll never forget, Megan, Megan and I had just gotten married and it was one of our first Christmases together. And I was sitting kind of outside the, the family circle because was, I was new, so I wasn't really a part of the family yet, I guess. But I was sitting kind of outside, and, you know, the Santa Claus, the Santa kid, whatever, comes around and hands everybody the presents. And I'll never forget, I got this one present from, actually, Megan's mom handed it to me. And it was a, it was a square. I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. So I ripped it open. And right on top, it was clear, it was a clear box. And right on top, it was a crown of thorns. And I'm thinking, at first, I was kind of shocked. I was like, that's, that's kind of cool, you know. A crown of thorns for Christmas. Neat. But then I got to really thinking, and I was just overwhelmed. Like overwhelmed to the point where I had to go outside because I was weeping so much. Because it was such a beautiful reminder of what Jesus came to do. They came to die. That we might have life, that you might have life, that I might have life and have it abundantly. So today, I can't remember, did we have Lord's Supper last week? I think we did. So I don't think we're going to do it this week. But the next time we do it, man, remember what Jesus did. Remember why we're doing what we're doing. But today, regardless whether we have it or not, let's worship him. Let's continue to worship him because he deserves all the praise, every bit of it, every bit of it. Let me pray for you. Lord, I love you. I thank you for these teenagers that are here. God, I pray that you would remind us of what you've done and how big you are and how awesome you are and how beautiful you are and how, how prepared you were that you took every detail and put it right into place so that we would get it, so that we would understand what you did, Jesus.
And so, Lord, I pray that you would speak to our friends, my friends, this, this day. And you would keep reminding us of how awesome and how huge and how beautiful you are. Lord, thank you for your word. And we give you glory in us in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're hanging out with us for the wrapping party, come on down here right after church. and We'll have lunch down here and then we'll head out. If you're not, hope you have a great afternoon, but I'll see you in big church.